did that rebellious like streak did that cause you any problems at church did it raise red flags from other people <laughs> well i don't think i don't think anyone liked me at the church to be honest dude <laughs> <laughs> they just kept you around for your power chords yeah that's what, i was just really good at guitar and they're like you yeah, know all right you can stay uh <laughs> But no, I actually always felt judged. The same kind of judge that Sam judged me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's true. No, it's fucking true, though. Because that, that, that exact judge. That's exactly why I didn't like going, actually. Welcome to another episode of Grown Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And Happy New Year. Happy and New Merry Year. Merry Christmas. Hope uh Happy holidays. holidays were... Ooh. Get careful. It's not just our our friends out there don't just celebrate Christmas, okay? All that aside, I hope everyone had a happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Uh how could you not? It's eight <laughs> days of fun, dude. It's the best. They get it better. Fun for everybody all yeah. over the world. Uh, I'm 11 hours and 23 minutes into dry January as we record this. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Yeah, I really was like, I mean, in December, I was like, so we've talked about uh, my ups and downs with how much I choose to drink. And it's like uh, over the summer was like spectacular. Got a real good grip on it. Just didn't really feel like it even. Uh, why? Uh, I, which shows you, I think some of it's stress. I do it. It's like a self-medication. It's to some, to relieve some stress in my life. So like over the summer when I'm not working, I was like getting up every day and running and I was working out. I was feeling great. It was, uh, probably in the, at 35 was probably in the best shape I've been in, in the past seven yeah, years. You were killing it there for a bit. And, uh, school year started like school school um like work school and then grad school and then you know then it starts getting colder and that's when i get real miserable uh, living in this state so it's just like as soon as the school year started it was like it just kind of increased from there and come december i was like this is getting this is just dumb it's getting ridiculous again so here we go the idea is to just have a nice a nice clean break for I shouldn't say clean break for a minute. I do have a cr- friend's Christmas party that we had to push off till January. I'm fine with an exception. Uh, it's not like a cold turkey thing. It's really just like I got to knock it out during the week. I got to start working out again. I got an exercise bike so I can, you know, do that during the winter because I cannot go out in the cold. Um, it's not even the cold that really bothers no. me like to run because you warm up, but I think most people know this experience, like the cold air, like and running in the wind, it gives me such horrific earaches. It's like debilitating and they last so long. Even after I, it almost, it feels worse when I come back in and my ears start to warm up. I don't really know what the, what's going on there. I've heard plenty of people share that they experience similar ear pain when running in the cold. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, Kind of do a little reset here uh, for January, and then I just got to 
I just need to not make it a habit. I don't mind. I like it. It's fun to drink. I want to drink with friends and whatever. Have some fun nights here and there. But I just I don't feel like doing it all the time anymore. So, well, can I give you two suggestions? You can. Okay, so if one exercise routine. What if you donned like the full windbreaker suit and you went and walked in the mall with hand weights? Ah, that would be, I, that would be great. I might replace the hand weights with shake weights. <clears throat> just, <laughs> just, <laughs> it's a little, a little more like it's like it's like kind of shake weights are like uh, the adult workout equivalent of those little like. You know those like water filled cylinders that you would try to squeeze and they'd always slip through your hands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like water wiggle. Yeah, it's like those, but you know, you just add some weight to it and call it a workout. Because you walk whoa. around with it the same, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your <laughs> hands shaking back and forth. Like you have Parkinson's or something. <laughs> as far as stress goes, like it seems to me the best way to cut stress from your life might be to care less about the kids at school. Yeah, I, caring less would definitely be helpful. Um, you know, we were watching, uh, like, we woke up this morning and my kids turned on, uh, they started watching, they've seen it, Elemental, the Disney movie, Elemental. I haven't seen it, but, you know, I they turned that on this morning and I was catching the end of it and I was starting to tear up, man. I was getting big time choked up because I care about things that don't matter, I guess. And I was like... <laughs> And if I could just turn that off, it's like, oh, that'd be perfect. You know, there, there is some thought behind whether or not if you could, you know, people, that's what I, I always remember. Oh, people talk about not making a, emotional decisions, right? It's like, you know, you just got to think, you, you lead with your head, not your heart, all that kind of stuff. Um, just be devoid of emotion and make solely rational decisions. Um there was a study that was done on people who were essentially like sociopaths. They, they really lost. I don't know if it was through some sort of trauma uh, or injury, brain injury, but they kind of just lost their ability to feel a range of emotions. And fun fact, their decision-making was actually worse because uh, we're emotional beings and you actually have to factor emotion and emotional responses into the things you do. It's funny how that works. It's kind of like when a 20-year-old uh, person tells you about how they're really into stoicism. Yeah, I love that. Like, it's just all about, like, ration and reason and, uh, you know, just, like, taking the emotion out of, like, out of the equation and stuff. It's like, well, I can't do that. And I'm 100% sure you can't do that. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's there, like it's the precursor to like, or actually maybe the postcursor. It's pretty much just it. Probably, I would argue that most of that revolves around their inability to maintain a healthy relationship with a woman. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. (laughs) They're like, well, I guess I'm a stoic now. It's like, no, you're just a fucking asshole. Like, doesn't know how to treat people right. oh man that is probably 100 percent. if if you if if you catch yourself telling people about how you're into stoicism and i don't want to make broad judgments here but but we I do think that. you should seek like some an outside opinion like maybe go sit with a counselor or something once a week and just you know just get a little outside input because typically the people that tell you that are not 
doing that. No. They just, <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, it's some way of rationalizing, like, why you're right and everyone else is emotional. It's like the overplay of the use of the word toxic. Everyone's toxic, so you don't have to deal with your own toxicity. Like, no, I don't talk talk to my entire family because they're toxic. It's not that no one talks to me because I'm the one person who's involved in all of these conflicts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is like something I've learned over the years is when you meet someone, even if they seem great, if they're constantly embroiled in a conflict with someone else, like they're always kind of involved in some sort of feud. Yeah. Even even when it looks identity, from the outside. Too. It's like it has to be like constantly brought up and and just like brandished around like they're they're proud of how emotionally or mentally superior they are to the people that just don't get it that there's always like that element of it as well. You shouldn't be in a fight with people all the time. Disagreements happen. Um, Everybody's had them, you know, but like if you're constantly like if you find yourself in four, five, six different feuds per year, like you're the common denominator in those situations. Yes, it's it's you, bro. And you're complaining (laughs) about them a lot to your friends and they occupy a lot of the conversations that you have to have. Yeah, you spend uh, so much of your time with your friends pitching them the idea that you're right about this awful person. Yep. That's a problem. Yeah. You, you might be the problem. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Dude, so we went um we went on a trip this week, kind of like a spur of the moment thing. Okay. And uh so we packed up the dogs and we went down to uh, eastern New Mexico to do some quail hunting. And we'd never really, we'd been through, we've driven through there before, but we didn't really know like where to go or what was available or whatever. So we just kind of used like each state's got like a digital map of all the land that you can walk and hunt and, you know, do whatever. And so we just kind of went down and gave it a try. And it was like so much fun. It was an absolute blast. But uh, so while we're driving down um, earlier this year, we did like a big road trip through like Nevada and um, Utah. And we listened to like this book about the the Donner Party, you know, because it's right on their trail. So it was cool. It was like you were driving through the area that you were listening to this book about as it was yeah that's the one i think we had we talked about the episode that's the one where they made a terrible decision to try to cut through a mountain to save some time or some shit right yeah like a a con man's shortcut that cost them like most of their friends and family yeah yeah (laughs) so this time we uh we were driving through you know like oklahoma southwest oklahoma you know the texas panhandle into arizona which is all um Comancheria, you know, it's where like the Comanches were, you know, and the horse tribes of the Great Plains were like raiding and, you know, hunting buffalo and stuff. So we've listened to this book called Empire of the Summer Moon and just fascinating. Like 
and it, it's so cool when you're driving through this stuff and like you're you're hearing about it and like like we stopped by the Wichita Mountains, which are in southwest Oklahoma. Okay. And we're there and they're talking about like, you know, that was holy ground to the Comanches and so and so was born there and this is where so and so went and hid after this raid and you know the the American soldiers were f- hunting for them and so interesting but what a like I, I don't know it, it is sick. such an unforgiving place out there uh, yeah uh, I think th- uh, that's your new thing uh, it's just you f- you only go to the locations that people have written books about and then just drive around and listen to audiobooks <laughs> yeah maybe so <laughs> I mean, yeah, it depends on what's where it's at, but like, provided there was enough dead people like under the dirt there, I think I can I can get into it. Yeah, you could. Um, what I was the Departed a book? What's a Boston book? There we go, Departed. Just listen to that and drive around Boston. That's your next Probably, vacation. Yeah, <laughs> that would actually be kind of interesting, or like Whitey Bulger and all those guys. Yeah, what's the yeah any book about? about him uh would be or um the black mass uh i should know I yeah that was that was white soldier right? right okay with uh johnny depp yep yep dang he was ugly in that movie mm. yeah well makeup we watched uh matilda uh the musical the remake that was was that netflix i forget um they remade it yeah, they made a yeah, I think it was on Netflix. They did a musical version of it. It was honestly pretty good, but um the the woman who played like Trunchbull, Trunchbull? Oh, the Trunchbull, yeah. Is um I wanted to find, I'm I have to look her up. I honestly forget who played her, but it was um cuz she looked awful in the movie. And you're just like guess <laughs> she's supposed to. Uh it was um Emma Thompson. So ton, like tons of makeup, um, but it didn't look plasticky and fake. Uh, it was like a incredibly well done uh, job. Uh, I because I, I didn't reckon I like I recognized her to a degree, um, but not enough. I don't recognize her. I'm not sure what she's been in. No, but she was in uh, Harry Potter. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Either Whoa. way. Dude, that is a pretty dramatic transformation. Yeah, isn't it good? I was impressed. <laughs> like it felt, sometimes if it's not good, it's just like just the the understanding or recognition that it's makeup kind of pulls you out of what you're watching. And it just I was like, who is this person? Like someone who looks absolutely nothing like that, which is kind of good because otherwise that she's wearing like, an- is like, hey, can we get a absolutely hideous person? Uh, any hideous people out there show up. And so it's like, at least like she a- made me start doing that more instead of just casting calls for absolute hideous, absolutely hideous people. You just- <laughs> I'm always curious what those ads looked like for like Tim and Eric awesome show back in the day. Yeah. We- they dug up some uggos. We, we need frumpy <laughs> men with front butts who are losing their hair, uh, but are desperately trying to grow it out uh, and comb it over perhaps. Definitely need some um, Dahmer type glasses. Um, this is like real thick lenses, you. so it looks like you got some magnifying glasses like over your eyeballs. <laughs> uh, they found they found 
some good ones. Like the 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 sketch with the this is what I do, I sit on you or whatever. The, yeah. The guys in that, you're just like, what a bunch of goofy looking goobers. <laughs> That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> oh my god. Have you ever seen uh Monster with Charlize Theron? Where she's no. uh, Eileen Wernos. I did not see that. I know what movie you're talking about. That's one that everybody talks about. Like the the makeup transformation is wild. Yeah, but should have gotten. That, that's a cool career path. Just movie makeup. Hell yeah, that'd be sick. They call you in whenever somebody needs to be like revoltingly ugly. Yeah, <laughs> you're like a a giant mole specialist. You're like <laughs> yeah. All right, dude your your hair work is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> really make those moles fuzzy. <laughs> so, uh, while we were at the hotel, so anytime I see an opportunity to grab a track, I'm I snatch it up because the Holy Spirit is still leading you back to Himself. Either that, or I'm an instrument of darkness, and like somebody's going to hell now because I took this opportunity from them. Yeah, and one or day I'll be judged. Perhaps you saved you saved someone's soul by preventing them from seeing that and having them replace their drug addiction with some strange religious addiction, where they push people more away with their fundamentalist. Like where they just dive so hard into Christian fundamentalism that their family's like, I wish they were back on drugs. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be something, right? Maybe better hardcore Christianity than being like a, a dude who collects sneakers. A real sneakerhead? <laughs> a sneakerhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is like the, uh, the, that's like Beanie Babies with Riz. Yeah. <laughs> So this In one in particular resale value, but <laughs> for now, probably for a long time. Th- that's probably going to last, I'm sure. But uh, so I walked, I got into the elevator at the hotel in uh, in Carlsbad, and there was like this. It looked like a million dollar bill stuck into the like behind the panel of the controls. Uh, those are tricky because they definitely make million dollar bills that you could lose you know yeah if you really want someone to pick that up by accident do like a 20 a 20 dollar bill is enough to get someone to pick it up dude who you think did ben franklin's uggo makeup damn (laughs) who's on the credits for his his uh is it it just syphilis (laughs) (laughs) dude that actually looks like like a pretty from at least as you hold it up to your screen, it looks like a fairly authentic bill. Uh, it minus does. a million, but that looks that's believable. Yeah. Well, I picked it up, and uh, boy, it says uh, so on the back. It says, "In God We Trust." The million dollar question: Will you go to heaven when you die? Have you lied, stolen, used God's name in vain, or lusted? Which Jesus said was adultery, uh, Matthew five twenty eight. If That's so, the only one they need the reference for. They're like, you're gonna, we're just gonna operate under the assumption that you believe all these other things are said in the Bible. It just seems obvious, but you get to lust and like, we should probably make a reference for this one. Well, I love the like, lied, stolen, used God's name in vain, like. 
<laughs> if if you didn't have like a point of reference for Christianity, like would you even know what that meant? Yeah, I feel like mm, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people know that, but I also grew up in like an area those just this you know heavily Catholic, if not like some version of Christian. So like, I feel like most of the people that I met had some sort of background enough or new people in it where they would understand that that meant not saying oh my god and i think that's mostly because societally we will say oh my gosh so people recognize that there's an alternative and there's a reason for it so yeah i think that one does actually connect i think people might get it i think the irony is that the people who write these tracks are the ones that um are the one using God's name and concept in vain to the highest degree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, How do we make this that's, all that's about like a, us? <laughs> that's like a whole conversation, but the idea that using God's name in vain as like that's in the commandments is saying, oh my God. Is yeah. So ridiculous. Which is definitely that's what just I was what's taught. I remember. Oh, yeah. oh, I remember scolding it's... my friends in like second and third grade for saying, oh my God. Yeah. Jesse was my first friend who would say, oh, my God, and not feel bad about it. And I was like, this is that's a lot. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got a long road to go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so continuing on. If so, God sees you as a liar, thief, blasphemer and adulterer at heart. If you die in your sins, you will end up in a terrible place called hell. But there's good news. Though we broke God's law, Jesus paid the, the fine by dying on the cross. Quote, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. I, oh, God. There's so many things to talk about. I'll try to avoid the serious ones because that's, we don't have time for that. But uh, I also love the John 3.16 is like, shall not perish but have everlasting life. It sounds like the reward is everlasting life in the not choosing to believe in him is perishing. And it says nothing about hell. It's just like perishing is perishing. It doesn't say we'll die and go to hell. It doesn't say we'll uh, go through extra, uh, eternal conscious torment. It's just like perishing, ceasing to exist in some form or fashion. So they talk all about hell and then they just drop in John 3.16. It's just like, that's not what that says, though. <laughs> yeah, it's not not really much in terms of references for hell. They didn't include no, any scripture in parentheses. Ad hoc put to uh, tracks are so ad hoc, too, because without like you were saying before, without that reference, a frame of reference for Christianity, like that was a lot of word salad. It's just like. Oh, this is something. If you don't, this is how God sees you. Oh, and if you die, you go to hell. And then, luckily, if you believe in Jesus, you could be saved. Like it just doesn't. It's not giving you any real like information uh, or any possible way to understand on anything higher than like a kindergarten level. I mean, that's that's like that's like talking to a kindergartner, you know? Yeah. Well, and at the like. The idea that if you've ever done like one of these things, God sees you as a liar, thief, blasphemer, adulterer and stuff like is so like against the like every bit of cultural values in the 
you know, with everywhere. The idea that like you did one thing wrong and now you're doomed forever. Yeah. Is like it's so nonsensical that and it doesn't like I just God's don't think they think anything of that. People and your parents. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. <laughs> yeah. God's actually he's so intolerant that yeah. like you'll never be good enough for for him yeah, which i get it. that's part of it unconditionally but don't, don't <laughs> expect the same from the loving father <laughs> perfect holy all-powerful god yeah he's just so perfect that it just it offends him so much that you're not which is something that narcissists believe <laughs> it's not an, a that is not a nice uh that's just not a nice person uh, when everyone knows the people who are offended by those who don't live up to their standards and it's like, yeah, they're junk. They people into stoicism, terrible. Yes. They <laughs> don't have girlfriends and they have, or their fathers who have children that no longer talk to them. If you met God, he'd be like, yo, have you ever read Marcus Aurelius? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So continuing on. Then Jesus rose from the dead and was seen by hundreds. And then in parentheses, it says, it's no fairy tale. Cool. So uh, that's reference footnote. He fulfilled all the prophecies of the promised savior. Please today repent and trust Jesus and God will forgive you and grant you the gift of eternal life. EPH two, eight and nine. Which another thing like, these scripture references like abbreviated. Right. How would anybody who wasn't who didn't have like context for this even know what that meant? It's also <laughs> I like I think it's so it's so strange to be in a in a and I don't wanna look, I know that a lot of the people we know uh who are adults who are in their fifties and up think these things or would say they think these things. Most of when you hear it, <clears throat> when you hear it written out like that, I still think might go, eh, I don't know if that's the right approach. And I think there's a part of most people that know that it can't, it can't be so mechanistic that you can just explain it in seven sentences. It's like, here's the problem. This is what you do. Now you're all set for all of eternity. It just feels so fucking pretend. It, that's what sounds like the fairy tale. Like I would, I could believe a man rose from the dead way before I would believe that an all powerful God who created the universe and uh, his, uh, if you're going through a biblical lens engaged with people for the in, intent of establishing some sort of kingdom. I don't know, but like all of that, all of that bigness, all of that stuff you can't understand. And to just be like, and the solution is to just believe intellectually in the right thing and you'll be fine. It's just the mechanistic approach to it is is what feels the most fake about all of it. Yeah. It's the last it says, then to show your gratitude, read the Bible daily and obey it. Join a Christian church and be baptized. Visit needgod.com <laughs> and livingwaters.com. It's just Christian transactionalism. It's beautiful. It's hilarious because like, I feel like the entire premise of this as a method of, of evangelism requires on like this, it, it's this requires like divine intervention to work in somebody's life. Like for this to be the thing that tips them over the edge and gets them pushed back towards like a church or something like that. 
yeah. requires them to be like predestined to do so. But none of these people believe in predestination, I'm sure. They, uh, I bet a lot of them do. Uh, I would bet that they think that this is why they can just fulfill their obligation to a witness by just, I'll just drop these around. A breadcrumb. That'll, um, you know, if, if, if the, if the Lord wills it, then it'll, it'll happen. And some sad sap who has just lost everything will find that and just invest their entire identity and personality into that. Maybe I'll um, get lucky and someone will be in a, in a, in a state of complete emotional distress when they find this million dollar bill. Exactly. That's kind Maybe of their husband just died. Before. We were taught that. I mean, I don't think that was an explicit teaching, but like, you know, we always knew that that was like a primer for people to accept the Lord. Like if someone had something tragic happen or was sad, like, your initial reaction uh, when you considered witnessing was like, how do I use, uh, you know, the the worst parts of their life to emotionally manipulate them into <laughs> believing this? And then they'll have a testimony. And that's because we thought testimonies were fucking rad. So the shittier things were when you had a testimony, the better your, uh, your one-man show was at youth group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know they don't see it that way. So like it's, I don't know, getting all uppity about like, like, oh, this is emotional abuse. It's like they don't, they no. don't see it that and way. The person, so there's no point in doing this whole thing, you no, know, but. And the person giving those, I mean, everyone's just dropping those tracks and that's all it is. It's, you know, it's confession for Catholics. It's dropping tracks for evangelicals. It's literally people just, you know, it's me drinking after work probably more than I should on a regular basis. It's just people finding ways to fucking ease that. Everything's awful. I'm probably going to die tomorrow. Struggle with their mortality. you just, that's all people are doing. And I think they just found, a, you know, a more, uh, they found ways that are more invasive into other people's lives to manage their own problems. But it, it's still like that track is for the person who dropped it entirely I don't, yeah. <laughs> it definitely is <laughs> um i have another one that we'll do another time but you know how much i like gas stations this one i found at the gas station stuck to the pump oh nice i'm and surprised it came you with didn't a... peel it off the toilet <laughs> it's like you on the have. back of the urinal you would have been you would have it did come with a keychain oh nice that's beautiful is that an onk Ock, onk? How do you say that word? Um, it says hope. Hope. But uh, it does so in a, in a very swirly oh, way. It's kind of bent. It's an infinity symbol. Maybe because God's love is infinite. Right. And our hope in God is also infinite. Sick. I'll read you that one next time. All right. I'm, I'm sure it differentiates a lot from the million dollar bill. <laughs> All right. Introduce our guest. Yep. All right. Uh, our guest this week is Danny. I said his name. We have a conversation when we start uh, the episode about um, about his last name and uh, and its shift in the uh, the way it's pronounced regionally. But I knew him as Danny Kucher. Some people know him as Danny Couture. Uh, and I grew. To, I went to church with him back in the day. Uh, we didn't stay in touch. Um, our my 
family and his family still are in touch to some degree or another. Um, but it was, uh, I got in touch with him cause I, I actually ran into his family in town and was asking how he was doing. And then that's when I looked him up on social media and he was doing great and he has some really cool shit going on. So I thought it'd be really fun to have him on the podcast and, and reconnect. And I, I didn't know him well when I was in church and I didn't really know his story or how, you know, he felt about a lot of the things that we grew up with. Um, but he is a, he's, uh, signed to, uh, Marshmallow. Uh, Marshmallow is, I mean, I, it's just, it's huge. I actually didn't realize how big Marshmallow was. It's He's like, like a, a DJ EDM. and music yeah, producer. And you've, you've seen him on social media and stuff before. He's got like a big helmet on that looks like a marshmallow and the eyes are X'd out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool. So he's doing music for, for uh marshmallow now. Um, and he's got, so you can check out his, um, obviously we'll link to his Instagram here. He's got some really cool shit, um, going on with that. And it sounds like just from talking to him, like, you know, he's been as people do in the music world in the music industry, it's a lot of struggle. Uh, and then a lot of hard work, a lot of timing, a lot of who, you know, and, you know, things started to come together for him good several months ago, um, six months ago. It feels like it was somewhat on the uh, recent, um, if I recall correctly, but it was just like to hear his story and, and the, the work that he put in uh, to get where he's at was really sick. Uh, and I'm super happy for him. It was really great connecting, uh, reconnecting uh, and actually getting to hear uh, more about his story. So, yeah. So, uh, if you're not in the Discord, you should join. We've gotten some new members lately. Uh, Dave from last week's episode jumped into the Discord. So, we've been chatting back and forth with him. And uh, it's just a fun place. And I know I say it every time, but that is the place to come tell us about, uh, you know, what conspiracy theories you argued with your, your family over christmas dinner about yeah i would love to hear them so uh yeah do that if you like the show leave a review i guess uh you know the big thing is if you like the show share it with somebody we would really appreciate that um you know we don't uh there's it's hard to know how to advertise things like this anymore because social media doesn't really doesn't push you very far these days so you know, word of mouth, any, any, you know, if you got a friend that you think would like the show that you can pass it off to, we would absolutely love that if you would do that. So, um, do those things and enjoy our conversation with Danny Kuchar. Hey everybody. We are back with our guest, Danny Kuchar. Danny, what's going on, man? Yo, what's going on, man? Not too much. Dude. So for the listeners, uh, I actually, um, I recently reconnected with uh, Danny over the internet, as people do uh, in these days. And, uh, but Danny and I attended uh, attended church together back in the day, back in uh, growing up in evangelical, non denominational Central Massachusetts church. Uh, and I probably haven't talked to you since we it's what, been a while, graduated man. high school. I, I mean. Thinking- actually thinking about that before i came on i was like that's probably been 15 years yeah at least yeah for sure we had, we had how a mutual old were friend. you guys when you were together in church 
I was. I think I got a couple years on. I might have a couple years. Yeah, I think on you're here. a few years older than me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like 14 when we started going there. Okay, Sam had a lot of prairie quests, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I think I had more. <laughs> <laughs> so what's funny is uh, I had like uh, I had this. Well, one of the things I I noticed was uh, as as people do in churches, you look for people similar to you. Uh, there was definitely some like similar music slash scene interests. So there was like that point of connection. I, we had a mutual friend and I remember hanging out at her house a couple of times when we were both around at the same time. Uh, Sam, uh, uh, like whatever. Oh uh, yeah. Who cares? Last name on the podcast doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no one's going to look her up. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's yeah. not even her last name anymore. So don't do it everybody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we would kind of like hang out, uh would see you around there but i'd mean otherwise like we didn't we didn't have a lot of passing connections or anything like that outside of um seeing each other at church and i actually could never get a finger on like kind of where you were at and um what you were up to uh and how you felt about all of it uh but i do remember i actually remember your younger brother a, a bit uh even a bit more because i was helping out with middle school youth group at the time and and he, he was, was going in the there. puppet ministry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and your little brother was big. He was a big fan of puppets. <laughs> Back then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so growing up in that world. So you started going there at 14. Uh, what was kind of like, what was your, what was kind of your background even like before that? Like, kind of what got you guys uh in in the church, yeah, or at least that one. Uh, bring us up to that point. So I mean, quick. I went to church since I was like a kid, like a okay. baby, pretty much since I was like four years old. So I pretty much that's like all I remember from being a kid. Uh, we we used to go to Holden Chapel, which is the <clears throat> okay. It's like yeah, it's, it's like forty five minutes or whatever away from from Heritage. Uh, so we went there for a while. I went to Holden Christian Academy too. So that was like the school oh, no way. that was attached to the church. Um, super small school for sure. We had like 18 kids in our class, each class. So it was pretty small school for sure. Yeah. Um, and then after I graduated there, we moved from North Brookfield to OCAM. And then that's when I ended up starting uh, going to Heritage. Cause it was like okay. closer and then I was at Quab and then same thing with my sister. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those all Christian schools. No, no. Quabbin I actually started. Yeah. I went from Christian from kindergarten to eighth grade and then into public school. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember much about like, uh, the curriculum and stuff when you were in Christian schools, anything stick out in your memory is interesting. <laughs> um well we did have the best part about it and i don't even know how it was illegal but we had we had half days every wednesday so every wednesday up until eighth grade we had half days so that was actually fire yeah and then also fill it with anything it wasn't like you do half day but then you go to church for three hours no it was like you just have a half day but then on mondays they did have the church for three hours in the morning too. So it was really just a whole lot of church, a lot of half days, <laughs> not That's that much uh, education. That's a lot <laughs> yeah, of church you, in the morning you, on a Monday. 
<clears throat> you can fit in a lot of recreation and church time if you disregard like half the subjects that normal kids have to learn. For sure. Yeah, so, you cut out a lot of science. We know that. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely a lot of science. I was like trying to think, did we even have a science? I'm trying to, it was so long ago now, but I don't even know. Like, We did have a science thing, but it was definitely uh, censored to have, you know what I mean? So, Oh, yeah. Well, and social studies gets a lot shorter curriculum-wise, too, if like you start when George Washington was weaned. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't like really American history is really all that matters and the Bible covers all relevant history before that's, that that's, I think it was all the history was mainly like biblical history <laughs> and they were yeah. like oh yeah Ben Franklin it, about him <laughs> <laughs> that's how mine was too we loved like, Ben Franklin and I don't even know why I remember asking was Ben Franklin a Christian and you kind of got the well it's like he got he a like lot of, a shoe in for <laughs> dead, some reason. He had a lot of dead people under his uh, under his estate. I've read. I don't even know what that means. Like, there's like okay, so there's there was, like uh, I got to explain that more, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there's like an off like a like an off the beaten path theory that Ben Franklin might have been a, a serial killer. Okay, and like a a, a sex fiend. I choose to believe both of those things. Yeah, me too. It so probably it's true, man. <laughs> I wouldn't was, be surprised. It's, it was all people that he was like testing his electricity theories on. And that is like, <laughs> oh, another one down. It's like uh, in the uh, what's the magician. What's the one where the, all the clones keep dying? Oh, the uh, the prestige. Yeah, the prestige. There we go. Uh, it's like that. <laughs> his own version of the prestige. Uh and the history that we got to was funny. Like you never like you don't know the full truth about George Washington's teeth, um, and you know the kind of guy he was. You're just like, he was great. He was a Christian, and that's why all the bullets missed him that one time in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> what was your feeling about when you were in uh, at uh, HCA? Were you uh, were you just along for the ride? Did you have like thoughts about how it was kind of just like? did you have any thoughts about eh, i don't know well, i was always a rebellious kid so <laughs> yeah yeah and it was a lot of like you know them telling you what to do type shit so i didn't never really uh like that you know i definitely always kind of <laughs> fought against it for sure it was there like You're a bad uh, kid yeah <laughs> bad what kid. was that you you were you were the chaff Oh yeah, we learned we learned about you in my curriculum. I was yeah, definitely you, a, a problem child. <laughs> you were representative as like the what was the kid in the uh, the comics you had, Casey? It was like, uh, oh, do you want to yeah. learn about Jesus? And he's like, nope, Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie, That's Ronnie, like tried hard or something like that. <laughs> yeah, do you remember what curriculum he used at your Christian school? I don't. It was so long ago. Yeah, that's a yeah. question I ask so many people, and nobody like has invested it. I do in the remember. I do remember uh, one of my neighbors when I was a kid actually had the same math book, and they went to public school. Oh wow! So I think it was the education wasn't actually like bad there. I would say 
Like they actually did decent at like, you know, teaching us math and English and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like the necessities at least that we need to like get through life. Definitely. Yeah. I felt like I was like on par when I went into high school for sure. Yeah. That's a that's good fair. test, right? I feel like that's where mine was too. Like history was probably a little weird. Science was definitely like missing a lot of components, but math and English, I think we we actually fared pretty well because there was just like, I, I mean, there was just a total focus on like the the nuts and bolts of those things, you know? Yeah, definitely a lot of parts missing out in conflicting areas. You know? yeah. uh, when you got to high school, were you like, did you find, did you feel like you were in your element now that you didn't have to like being rebellious at a Christian school, right? That kind of, if you have a personality or, you know, a thought for yourself that can come off tough. Um, if they're depending on like where you're at, um, but public school, did you still feel, um, that rebellious nature? Is it mostly doing or because of like the, the Christian environment that you weren't so sure of? I definitely kept rebelling through high school for sure. (laughs) Um, and like, I feel like it was just kind of a weird transition for me, especially at that age when you're like so awkward and shit and you already have a hard time feeling like you fit in and everything. So like going from like being in a super sheltered, like they don't like, you know, you don't even say, you know, the word hell or else you're in fucking detention. Yeah. (laughs) to go into like a public school where, you know, there's like F bombs being flown all over the place and like, you know, and drugs and all that kind of shit. So it was definitely, uh, I, I felt like, uh, kind of like confused at first, I think going to public oh, school. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, wow, this is like what the real world is like, you know? <laughs> Does any, uh, like when you think back on church when you were younger, like what what moments stick out to you in your memory as like a a weird experience, a good experience? Like I feel like everybody's got those like flagship moments that they remember. <laughs> yeah, out of the countless well, it's funny hours. Funny that you said flag flagship. Right when I was remembering flags. So <laughs> all right, when people are talking in tongues, I just can't understand that shit. <laughs> <laughs> there is this one lady. And like, she would always be speaking in tongues, uh, always, um, at, at Holden Chapel. And I remember one time she's like speaking in tongues and she picked up a flag, an American flag in the middle of when they're like going down to the altar and she's like waving the flag, like yelling in tongues, you know, just <laughs> like, like, like Mel Gibson in the painting yeah, covered dude. in blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Braveheart at the end, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man, that was probably one of the most ridiculous things I saw for sure. <laughs> Less of a flagship, more of a showboater, you might say. Yeah, I when didn't even know. Flag, I right love when maritime. I, the flag joke. popped in my head. I was like, oh, I have to tell that one. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, Holden Chapel was uh, a, a a tongues sanctioned uh, environment. I didn't think. I thought they were. More like yeah, uh, HBC in that, right? That's crazy because that would have never happened at our at HBC, right? I that was I don't think so. No, such a that I mean, at least growing up, it was like no, that's not. My family was very like I don't we don't know about that. It's like 
so we wouldn't have I don't, we would never landed a place where that happened. I but I thought it's funny because I oh so church politics are funny, right? Where you're like not just within the church, but like uh, every church it has thoughts about the other churches in the area, especially the ones that they view as competitors. They're not going to say that. Um, yeah, I didn't know it's like Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not gonna like like air that out uh in a more public fashion, but there is always like well that church does some things that we're not so sure about. And we only ever talked about the ones that like rivaled our numbers. Um if they're small, they just blame them being small and them not being good enough or something. It's very capitalistic mindset for church. Uh, it is it's like, oh, you're this one's growing. That means that uh, it has God's blessing. This one's not. It means there's some problems there that if, well, maybe when they work out those kinks, they'll uh, they'll see some numbers flourish. But then and you look at like church growth and it's like 80 something percent of all church growth is just people leaving other churches and going to yours new one um <laughs> that's really what it is it is and that's what it was when Hol- i know holden yeah. chapel did have a split and that's when heritage numbers boomed <laughs> yeah that's it it's like the righteous gemstones bro yes yes <laughs> the rival churches and the righteous gemstones for that's sure. literally it yeah <laughs> the slick bandit left with the- yeah, i remember like half the people from holden chapel like left and went there yeah yeah almost most of the people i was friends with in the youth group were previous Holden Chapel kids, or they like double dipped and did both youth groups for a while. That's, that's actually what I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I played in the band there. That's actually kind of like how I started doing music and everything. So, okay. Which that is was definitely awesome. a positive thing. Yeah. That I swear to God, that's the most positive thing that comes out of church for so many people. It's like it, so yeah. many yeah. people started playing. Cause it's the first place you get to like, play in front of an audience and not have to like, you don't have to suffer the fear of failure the same way. You're just like, I was in a church band when I was like 10 dude. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, cause they, at, at my school every Monday they had like the church thing. So they had a band and I like played in it ever since I, they like let me pretty much. And I was what young. You play? I was in like sixth grade guitar. Okay. And then, so I started doing it there and then I did it all up through middle school. And then I started, um, I was like really cool with Jason. I don't know if you remember Jason Destratus. He was the youth leader at, uh, Holden Chapel. I do. I I do know him. Yep. Yeah. He's a great dude. Um, so yeah, I was like pretty tight with him and he led the youth group over at Holden Chapel. So I actually ended up staying, going to that one for a while while we were still going to Heritage though. Okay. And so I always had this, like my, the vibe that I picked up on was from you was that you were just like, but at least in high school, when, when our paths started to cross was that, I don't even know if you were there all, did you get to, maybe you got to a point we can figure that out, but you got to a point where you just kind of didn't always come. And I don't know if that was contentious or not. I don't recall like always seeing you there. I feel like there, you might've kind of started to phase out, but that I might, the, what I picked up on was like, you were, there but you were one of the people okay as a person who always was like ah i love this this is for me i gotta make everybody feel this way uh i feel like i always noticed when people didn't have the same enthusiasm i did and felt like uh like you oh i, I wonder if everything's good there uh, that, and i kind of got that <laughs> vibe from you. <laughs> you. you were you were giving me the jesus judge yeah the jesus i was man this is a full disclosure total honesty podcast <laughs> oh, and i man. did judge you a little bit 
All he right. felt like he should minister to you, and he didn't. So, <laughs> I, to be fair, I felt like that with everyone all the time, and it made me not able to fully enjoy friendships for most of my youth. So he's the victim, actually, even though you're the one that's going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was never like that. Though I actually was never like that about like spreading the word and like really judging people on that i actually never really did that i don't think but i guess because yeah. like i was never really i never really like fully bought the whole package you know yeah and maybe because it's like what i was told from like when i was born maybe that's why and it's just like natural for you to question it you know what i mean i don't know yeah. and you mentioned being uh like uh having a more rebellious disposition and i think sometimes that just comes with you go i i'm gonna it's so funny because they um you know, part of the messaging we get uh, growing up in Christianity is like, we, you got the world's going to tell you all these things. It's important to think for yourself. Um, and they think that that means you'll just buy into everything they're telling you, which is the opposite of thinking for yourself. But that's, that's the message. I had it packaged that way. Like, be critical thinkers, question what the establishment says, uh, only in regard to evolution and, you know, human sexuality. Otherwise, like, don't if it's what we're telling you but they kind of set that up like be independent thinkers question things do your kind of quote unquote do your own research and then um you know some of us do and they don't they don't like it and it doesn't really go as well um when you don't land on the same side of things that they would like you to um and i i think when people have also that more like rebellious nature like naturally like i was such a compliant kid naturally um a go along to get along and it made it buy in easy. And then, but people who didn't have that disposition um, had a much more challenging time, I think, in Christianity than, you know, you would have if you were like f kids who have a more rebellious nature outside of it. Um, did you feel like, was that always like a, was that a point of contention at home a lot? Did your parents question what you believed? Um, and, and, was that ever oh, like a sure. challenging for, for sure yeah for sure yeah and then uh you know it was just a lot a lot of church too so i think it because it like i did it so much because you know it was like the schools then i did the youth groups and then i did the church on sunday so it was pretty much just all church you know yeah um and I didn't really even have very many friends that even didn't go to church. I don't like, actually there was like none when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think really for me, when I started going to like public school and kind of like seeing the real world and not like how sheltered, um, or not, not a sheltered vision of what everything is in the world. You know what I mean? is when I uh, I started to really kind of not like it as much. You know what I mean? And I realized also, too, like, when you're in public school, being Christian is, like, totally not cool, dude. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, it was like, you know what I mean? Uh, so that was another thing, too, where I was like, oh, like, you know, I want to, like, fit in. So and I noticed all, like, the the Christian, the Bible study club people at my school were just like, you know, they were like the odd group in the, yeah. in the high school. So I also didn't want to be that either, you know, but 
but then I also loved playing in the band. I do remember that being like, you know, that was definitely like the highlight of doing the church stuff. So, yeah. Did that rebellious like streak, did that cause you any problems at church? Did it raise red flags from other people? <laughs> well, I don't think, I don't think anyone liked me at the church, to be honest, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they just kept you around for your power chords? Yeah, that's what, I was just really good at guitar. They were like, you yeah, know, all right, you can stay. Uh, but no, I actually always felt judged. The same kind of judge that Sam judged me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it's true. No, it's fucking true though. Because that that, that exact judge—that's exactly why I didn't like going. Actually, that was like the main thing. Now I'm thinking back. It's like I always felt it was so it was so clicky. If you didn't like, you know, know how to pray the right way, then you weren't like cool enough. You weren't like righteous enough to be part of the click. <laughs> you you got to use enough Father God's. That's the key. Yeah, that's that's what Father is. God. Oh my word. Yeah. The Father things, God, I just thank you, you for this late, night together, Father God. Oh yeah, yeah. I can you still, really I can still hone that in. Essays. <laughs> I, dude, you're going, for, a, you're going yeah, for word it. count, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It ups. It's like uh, when you're writing a paper and you do two spaces after each sentence. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> you just do the extra pause. You got to wait for the to, to hear back. That's what it is. Oh, the, the amount of times where like, okay, I, this is, this always stressed me out a little bit in um, prayer circles. Uh, I don't know what anyone else might've called them, but we called, I want to say we called it like popcorn prayer or some dumb shit like that. Oh and it was yeah, like, I think I do. <laughs> <that>. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's everyone just takes turns praying like, oh, anyone, anyone just pop it. Oh, it's like, like popcorn popping. This person prays, this person prays, this person prays. And you would like pray. And there's like that, there's everyone's tone and inflection changes when you wrap it up. Right. Uh, and in this vote, like version of prayer, no, there weren't a lot of people saying, amen. You just say your prayer and then you stop. And it's like, you can kind of tell when someone finishes a thought or a sentence and then closes out and they hit the silence. And then someone else is aware that now it's their turn. But there are all those people who would like make the pauses and then they would start again. And then you're like, fuck, I, it's such a, it was such a mind fuck because you were about to go or someone else starts to talk or pray. And then someone else they, starts back up and you're like, this isn't how it works. You got to close it out or say amen. We need better cues because all of our heads are down and our eyes are closed and we can't pick up on a lot of what's happening right now. It's time to throw in a bless this food to our bodies, you know. <laughs> when they'd start again, I would always think, well, this guy shut up already. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get. I have such bad ADHD, I can barely like pay attention. (laughs) So by the end of the prayers, I don't even like know what's going on. I'm like, huh? (laughs) It's just time to take a a solid rest. There was, uh, there's always like the prayers too. There's always like the same few people who like ten times out of ten, they're they're gonna go for it, and they they, (laughs) they're gonna go for it hard. The ten minute prayers. Oh my God. Those were the, yeah, <laughs> those were always rough. Um, all right. So you're in high school and you're like, okay, did you, did you try to do the Christian thing uh, with like the kids? Did you try to go to any of the Bible studies or like the Christian groups or were you immediately like, this is I'm, I'm out. Bible studies. I never crazy. really, uh, my mom always tried to get me to go to Bible studies, but I never really did the Bible studies. I just did uh, the um, like youth group. Yeah. 
Um, the Christian groups so, at school, though, that you were like, oh, no, dorky. no, no, no. You never My even get a shot. If I did that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, I just, yeah. Absolutely not. That would have been like the least cool thing to do in high school, dude. Yeah, social and suicide. And then I was like, oh, yeah. Yes, that would have been social suicide for sure. <laughs> no hose. <laughs> it's, oh, God, it's so funny, man. I, so I never did public school. I stayed homeschooled till I graduated. And I know that's right. That's right. I actually forgot that. I, I know for a fact, dude, I could look back on a lot of my life and cringe, but I would have been the, uh, the, what God, isn't there a, what's the, I'm trying to recall, um, that movie with Mandy Moore where she's a Christian and brings her Bible around places or something like that. Irrelevant. Uh, but I would have been the walk bring your Bible. Yeah. I walked to remember. Wasn't she like a Christian? You would have had cancer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would have been the Mandy Moore of my public school. And it, <laughs> I would, and I, I would just, it would have been weird to have those memories. So at, if, at, at, if there, even though I wanted to go to public school, I definitely feel like at some level against my will, I was sheltered from having even more memories to look back on that I would regret, but he would um, have organized the see you at the poll. Yeah, I would have. Oh, I certainly would have organized see you at the poll. Did they, did they do Harris to win? <laughs> um, all right. So what, I mean, you kind of what? Oh, I, did you experiment with marijuana when you got to high school? Oh, yeah. So first week of high school of uh, public high school, I got suspended for two weeks for possession of weed. There you go. <laughs> I'm sh- oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, my parents that, were pissed. That didn't sure. trigger a return to Christian school. Yeah, it was like the the first two weeks of me being like in in public high school, I'm getting suspended for drugs, <laughs> and that marks you too in in high school. Like that, you have oh, it um, did. you have a microscope on you at that point immediately. Oh, yeah, yeah it, it it pretty much fucked me over for my whole high school. They they were they were up my ass the whole you know uh, board or whatever. Yeah, is uh, I feel I. It's dude. I feel like things have, so, uh, my wife works in a high school. Um, and I think 90% of the kids have weed on them at all times at this point, like the shift in how, and what's how many kids just carry drugs or even like weapons, shit like that. It's like, Oh, she works in like a, you know, a part of the school where it's like social, emotional disabilities and stuff, but it's like, it comes out all the time. It's like, Oh yeah, that kid, that kid always brought a knife to school every day. Like there is so much paraphernalia <laughs> like going on where you're just like, what? And I think of when we were kids and like how big of a fucking deal it was to be huge, caught with weed. Huge problem. Huge. Yeah. My brother-in-law did. And it was like, they were looking at like potential, like 180 day suspension, like basically alternative school stuff. Like they just, they took because he had a they found weed on with him and like he had a scale too so they're like it's intent to sell now you're like yeah that was a thing even even if you had the scale or just just to like weigh it out or whatever they would try to pin you with that yeah it was like that serious yeah it's so wild to think of and now it's just like i think everyone who's like 11 and older smokes weed now it's like (laughs) for sure for sure i have kids I, I live by a high school right now in LA and like 
there's like right behind my house, there's like this alleyway and I'll always see like young ass kids. It's like a middle school and high school. And they're like, they gotta be like 12, 13 years old, you know what I mean? Just smoking weed and having their first kiss back there. Yeah, <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> yeah. I worked it out. living out euphoria in your yeah. backyard. Yeah, right. Um, what? Okay, paint me a picture of young Danny at high school. Did you have like a persona that you adopted? Like, were you a scene kid? <laughs> oh, I was kid? a true MySpace scene kid. Yeah. I loved yes. like metalcore. I loved the hair in front of the eyes, the pierced lip. You know? Did you have a MySpace like uh, like name? Millhouse. 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 Yeah. Like from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? How did you settle on that? Just the someone Simpsons just or? gave me that ni- that nickname in high school because I had like glasses and uh, I was like nerdy, <laughs> so someone called me Millhouse, and it just like stuck. But it wasn't X Mill X House X. You didn't do that. No, right? no, there was no X's <laughs> or upside down. There no no V's for A's. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I we're looking minute, at you, Paris. I remember like. Everybody had like a, a MySpace, like edgy name, and mine for a minute was Casey killed the prom queen. Oh, nice. that's a good one, dude. And I just have to live with that. that Sounds like a, a, that, a really good uh, MySpace uh, screamo band name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that has screamo band name vibes, most definitely. The MySpace era, the MySpace scene kid was such a, it's funny, like how much MySpace as an adjective changes, uh, the, the word scene kid, like it, it modifies it a good bit. Like it, it really tells a lot about what that style was. Even like the pictures, the photography, the arm, there's always like, there's just so many like scene kid poses that made it to like the camera, like right like right here, like a, like GoPro mount camera where you're just really looking up like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you had to be like dedicated to MySpace because you had to code that shit yourself. You, I remember like, yeah. like learning CSS so that I could make my, my MySpace like look cooler. <laughs> Dude, mine sucked. Some people were good at it. Like I remember April, my wife, she, she had a pretty cool one. I never could figure out how to make it look cool. Yeah, I never I tried. tried. I forget what mine even looks like. I I would love to look at it actually. If it's even still honestly, up. that would be dope. If you could unlock everybody's old MySpace pages, it I might think it's end all the world now. Yeah, I think it's pretty so much too. all scrubbed now. Did you? Uh, did you? Were you in a high school metalcore band? Oh yeah, tons of them. Tons <laughs> Do you of remember them. any names that stuck out? Um. From high school? Oh, dude, what was the name of my first band? It was actually, I was a freshman. It was a ska band. Um, okay. Oh, boy. Now the it's getting embarrassing. The, yeah, the Radioactive <laughs> Salad Bar. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first band. That's ska fuck, though. That name is ska yeah. as fuck. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely super ska. We were so ass, dude. Like, thinking back to it, we were so bad, dude. <laughs> But it was my first band ever. Was your metalcore? You did you go with the verb the noun trope? Uh, for the for the metal bands, I don't even remember the names because I feel like I always had a hard time actually 
fully forming a band because i lived in the middle of fucking nowhere (laughs) yeah you know there was only like four kids who played music out there and you know um so i don't think i don't think we i never really like actually officially established a band until i was like in my 20s i think okay actually like 19 is when i first did it uh okay well Metalcore band badge of honor from that era. Did you ever have a Digitech 2000 effects pedal? I I was I was the Boss GT3 kind of guy. I had the oh, Boss okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> the Digitech. I think I actually did have one at first, but it was just sounds so bad. It's like just makes like, laser gun noises. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so bad. That's the worst effects pedal you could ever buy. I don't know that you're I'm out of my element now when it comes. I don't know any of this. The only thing that ever stuck out to me uh, that'll be seared in my brain forever was uh, the numbers 5150. Yeah. Which was like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all 5150. That'll be burned in my brain forever because that seemed popular for a moment. Um, They still are popular in the metal world. 5150s. Yeah, for sure. They have like a special tone to them, you know? Okay. It was but, like you either did that or you did the Mesa triple rectifier. That was the other. That was like the Cadillac option. Or the orange cab. Oh, dude. Orange, orange cab. Yeah. Yeah. Orange <laughs> cabs are really nice, though. Definitely. That was because there, there was status. Uh, if you're like in local metal corbin, like there was like some definitely like supreme like status symbols and you basically you just it's funny that they were when you're like it kind of boiled down to like which kids had wealthier parents but a hundred percent bro <laughs> that's literally what it was like i got the you're like you got that I mean, you, oh you did that on your own huh <laughs> trust me hollywood's no different bro hollywood's yeah. all the same way <laughs> it really is dude well it's like i saw that it was like a doofy like meme but it was just like jeff bezos started amazon with a three hundred thousand dollar loan from his parents taylor swift started a music career with a three hundred thousand dollar payment to whatever like studio this or that record label your parents don't have three hundred dollars give up you're not worth shit and it's like that kind of does kind of feel how it is sometimes (laughs) yeah definitely not the case all the time but you know to to definitely takes money to get you to that next step a lot of times for sure to give yeah. you that extra boost for marketing and you know that kind of stuff money goes a long way talent yeah. is helpful i mean again it's like a venn diagram right it matter sometimes, anymore, dude. sometimes it's talent, talent. it doesn't even matter anymore <laughs> I don't think. personality persona look vibe and there's just so much that goes into whether or not someone wants to like produce your entire career for you um it's still people still make it on the doing the regular old grind but it it's a rough world out there yeah uh, maybe we're just getting old you know yeah so now <laughs> we're just mad at everyone and we're just cynical yeah, we just we just hate the music that's coming out we're like yeah. it never happened for they me have no talent now <laughs> yeah they don't Blame. sound like the rolling stones are you kidding me they're not real <laughs> rock and rollers I know I have to blame all my failures on other people. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I have to say, okay, talking about high school, like as as obnoxious as MySpace scene kids were, which we all three 
were. Mm -hmm. There is no worse persona than the like high school kid that's way too into classic rock. That kid sucks. Yeah. Oh, that was actually like most of my high school. Yeah, I could totally. I feel like that is. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense for the area that we were lived in. Yeah, everyone was just like obsessed with classic rock. And then I was like, you know, wearing fucking girl jeans and fucking <laughs> black frame glasses. You know what I mean, listening to fucking Attack Attack. Oh, God. Attack Attack. <laughs> okay. Attack Attack. I don't think holds up at all. But I do love if if there's anything I owe Attack Attack, it's that I love Bill Murray, and I have like this shameless love for Beartooth. So Attack Attack produced some of my favorite. Uh, I went on to be they broke up, and their uh, members went on to make some of my favorite music. So <laughs> I don't I don't know Beartooth. No, it's okay. No. My here Beartooth. I would I. I would say is millennial dad rock. Honestly, I'm not, there's a little bit of embarrassment that comes with loving it. It's pop. It's basically like pop and new metal and metal core. It's, it's okay to hate it and to make fun of people who like it. Um, it, it is, but <laughs> here I am. It's, it's, it's the millennial version of dad rock, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm a dad. Check so it out. That's my pass. Um, it's, it's the Traeger grill of music. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they've they've uh and Bill Murray. I don't know. Do you are you Bill Murray fan? Like the the band, not the actor. <laughs> yeah, I was like the actor. Uh, yes, but the, the band, I don't know. It's just another God. I don't know. It, there's some a lot of pop elements to that too. Um, it's kind of a genre bendy thing. Anyway, we don't have to focus on that. That's I just owe attack attack a little bit, but stick stickly does not hold up. Let's just be real. Stick stickly was pretty good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So I'll, I'll be like crab coring sometimes. Yeah. In my, in my living room, you know. I yeah, love. See, we were like a little before you, I think, because I feel like I was the era of like scroll font. Uh, you know, like have a uh, like a black rose with blood dripping off it on your t-shirt and that was like a little more into the neon colors and tape deck artwork and yeah the, yep, the neon color that's definitely represents it the best i think yeah the, <laughs> and it's a full shirt print it's like shoulder all the way down to the bottom of the shirt print it's kind of like a modern hair metal yeah know? yeah 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 for the time yeah. for sure that's the best the best thing I could compare it to. I think. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Dude, some of the lyrics from that era, whew, don't hold up. They are cringe. Real, uh... So cringe. Yeah, I kind of like lovers, dude. <laughs> Hawthorne Heights. Some some of those <laughs> bands put out some like real like kind of aggressively like women hatey shit. Yeah. 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 I mean, like they got broken up with and couldn't believe it. Their girlfriend didn't want to give them a blowjob in the back of their car, so they wrote a whole album about them. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> Andrew Tate's like a huge attack attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
if I see if I see that in his next video or something, I'm gonna die. <laughs> there's there's a, there's like a picture of Andrew Tate somewhere with like the the coontail bangs <laughs> with the stripes. <laughs> the skunk hair the skunk hair looking like rufio yeah 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 oh rufio yeah rufio paved the way for some scene hair for sure he was an (laughs) icon scene kid icon that was definitely like the uh the that that hairdo had like a really fast transition from like uh high school girl at hot topic to like middle-aged lady selling pampered chef (laughs) (laughs) it's like one of the fastest evolutions in history was that hairdo yeah (laughs) it was like it it was like a new take on them it was like the the teased out like party look in the back and it's just like flat bangs in the front it's kind of come back a little bit recently with the the new pop punk scene coming up with like has it you know mgk yeah kind of vibes oh yeah yeah i can see kind of re blew up the pop punk stuff i think a lot so at least out here you see yeah i know i'm over pop punk now i just (laughs) played it so much when i'm a kid and now it's back again for a couple years like all right i need to do something different you know (laughs) things yeah i feel like the uh the the boomerang effect of style and stuff is it's it's increasing in speed to the point where like we were at them we were somewhere shopping the other day and april was telling me like yeah the 2010 stuff is starting to come back I'm like this it's too soon i'm still <clears throat> disgusted by it like i don't have that nostalgic like longing for 2010s yet yeah i think like the kesha era is coming back i think that's what's gonna be next oh like the, god the new kesha era cool that's right. <laughs> I feel like you're probably a little bit more in tune to like those trends uh, out your way. Yeah, you definitely. In, in your industry, you see them like you probably see the wave a good bit. Yeah, um, definitely got to keep up with. Uh, it's changing all the time, though, dude. It's kind of hard. I think it's harder now to predict stuff with music because of things like TikTok like really like that changed and like even just instagram too it's just like changed how it is so much you know and like yeah everyone's like a sponge now and then they just like absorb it and then they move to something else you know so it's it's really weird how the music industry has been changing definitely over the past like even five years yeah when i talk to people who like who have kind of popped off because of like a tiktok reel gone viral is like everyone says the same thing is like yeah it just you know we had done this for a long time and then for some reason this one hit and then that was uh that helped us out a huge bunch and then like that's it's like sometimes that's all it is is uh the like if something catches on the right way at the right time and that allows some whatever art someone's producing to to grow an audience and be more accessible and it it at least to the artist it always feels like incredibly unpredictable like there was they just hit the algorithm right sometimes i feel like it's like a lottery thing in a lot of ways and then also Mm. consistency you know definitely consistently posting yeah yeah like yeah we were talking about it on the way home uh is it 
do you feel like artists now like consider TikTok as like like what would pop off on TikTok as a part of like their writing process and stuff? Oh yeah, dude. That's like it's like the number one question. It's like what's going on on TikTok? Because <laughs> like this, I got the sound of viral. <laughs> I got into a real hole for a while where I was watching like tons and tons of like TikTok cringe compilations. And it's interesting to see the songs that like pop up on there constantly, you know, like, uh, oh God, there's that one that's like, why do good girls like bad guys? But the one that, that <laughs> has, that one. oh man, there's a ton of funny ones with uh rico nasty which i saw that you've worked with her in yeah the past. actually i do have a song with rico nasty so she's got that one where she's oh man it's like i don't need your opinion i don't know but it was everywhere for a minute like this song that she had where it was like thank god i don't have to slap somebody or something like that i don't know i don't know i don't know that one I do actually like Rico's music, though. I think she's she she's like unique. I do have to give her that. She's like way more unique than anyone in like the hip hop game right now, because everyone else is just like crying and whining and mumbling at the same time with too much reverb on. <laughs> like, it's like you know, emo. <laughs> yeah, she she's aggressive. She's definitely she's aggressive. Like crying. <laughs> yeah, I heard her shows are crazy. I haven't seen her live yet, but I, she's definitely on the list of people to see live. Uh, so let's, I, I want to talk about like, uh, some of your, your career trajectory. Cause I think it's really cool. You're doing some really cool shit now, but, um, obviously that took some time to progress and you worked your way into that. It seems like maybe for, I, yeah, I actually, I don't know anything about it. Um, you graduated high school and I never saw you again. So, <laughs> yeah, and here we yeah, are so. now. So I'd love to hear like kind of what happened. Uh, when you graduate, what kind of music you originally tried to pursue uh, and kind of start off? Definitely there. hardcore music. You know, yeah. that was like in the, a day to remember or sorry, a day to remember era. So um, yeah. homesick. Yeah, homesick. Yeah. So definitely that was a pretty big influence. Senses fail. They were like a big influence for me. Yeah. Um, so that kind of stuff. And then I got more into like heavier stuff, like uh, more like metal, like August Burns Red and Born of Osiris. So it's kind of like a mix between all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, I love Born of Osiris. Yeah, they're good. They yeah, still I uh... played a show with them once. Oh, did you? I did in California. Nice. Nice. They, uh, I still love, I've, I don't remember what's, they ended up reissuing that, like their big hit album. Uh, somewhat recently and that to me is still like quintessential born of osiris yeah bow down yeah 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 that's that a comes good one. In so hard i love that shit that album's but, great that's a classic uh so you, did you, you did you pursue that in like you wanted to play music or were you like looking at I the had production no side idea. i had no idea like even where to start with it you know what i mean because there's like I was living in Ocam when I was a kid and there's like really nothing out there, dude. The population when I was there, I think it grew, but when we moved there, it was only like 1800 people, I think. Yeah. And then it's like spread out. 
the closest city is Worcester and that's still like 35 minute drive away. And that's like in the, in the summertime when there's no snow, you know? yeah. <laughs> your only option was playing at Ralph's. Yeah, exactly. So there wasn't really like much going on there. I, th- I used to play um, some shows in Worcester and then Southbridge too. They used to like, which God, that, that place is even more of a shithole than Ocam is. Like, I don't even know why. I <laughs> That's where I work. To play shows. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Southbridge man. Yikes. He's a security <laughs> guard at a payday loan place. It's tough out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, Southbridge is is ghetto. Uh, I actually lived in Southbridge off Main Street. That was my first apartment. We lived in a two bedroom with uh four people i moved in when i was like 18 i do nothing better than like the i mean with four other people so it was five total at one point yes and you're paying and what somehow like i'm 250 a month, in, 250 month dude, in rent it was, even less, less, it was even less than that dude. yeah <laughs> my rent my, my rent was like 175 dollars yeah it was that, so cheap that rules <laughs> I dude, that whole era of living with too many people. The, when I lived in Virginia, there was like the house that I think at one point there was 15 dudes living in and it was a fucking shit hole. Like, yeah, I'm sure dude. it was a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was it was Rob Zombie meets uh, National Lampoon. It it was a it was a disaster. I mean, I've. God, it's the memories of that. I had a lot of fun there. Like that was the place you would go to hang out. But it was like, it was every, literally like there was no common area. It was like every single possible space in that house was occupied by a bed. And then even like they gave discounts to the kids who were essentially squatting in the attic in the basement. It was like, yeah, you can sleep up there for a hundred bucks a month. And it was an, it was an American wet market. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to pick up like dengu it was it was wild and the things you did to just like scrape by and get cheap rent at that time in your life is pretty unbelievable yeah i was delivering pizza that was one of my first gigs it was a good gig though for being in high school and like early you know yeah late late teens it was good because of the tips you know before Uber, I don't, I don't like having bosses everyone. and shit either. So you get to just like drive around, and I used to honestly just drive around and hotbox my car and deliver pizzas. Stone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Did you ever eat someone's pizza? Oh, dude, all the time, all the time. <laughs> I would, I would always be stealing like chicken fingers and French fries and shit. <laughs> They're all like, the I time. ordered a six piece. And you're like, no, nah, it was a five. Yeah, was, uh, uh, actually, we changed it. It's only five pieces now. <laughs> we got we to gotta update the menu. That's hard to do with a pizza. Like, have you ever, have, did you ever the steal pizza. a piece of pizza, <laughs> pizza and then try to close the pie chart? <laughs> oh, wow. This one's, this one's bad, but I'll, I'll say it. Okay. <laughs> one time. <laughs> One time I had to slam on my brakes and a pizza literally opened up and fell onto my car floor. <laughs> and I, I was like already in trouble with the bosses and for doing something and they were like pissed at me and I was like, fuck, they're going to fire me if they find out I did this. So 
with the the best I could. I picked up the piece and I was literally <laughs> picking cheese up <laughs> off my car floor. And I put it back together and I delivered it. <laughs> and I and the thing is, I, I got away with it. They didn't say anything. That's even the best part. Did you have to like reform it? <laughs> yeah, with luckily, your fingers. You just luckily, it didn't like it didn't like it. smush. It didn't like smush like too much, but it. Uh, I definitely remember picking cheese up off of my floor and like sliding <laughs> it back onto the pizza. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that was that was a good one. <laughs> well, how I was so pissed, pissed if someone did that to me too. Oh, dude! Yeah, so dude like I'll just buy another one. You know? <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to approach that. You would like to call me like I'm pretty sure this was on someone's floor. It's like a weird. Ball to make like <laughs> this pizza has a lot of hair in it. What I found a roach <laughs> under the cheese and <laughs> yeah. Was this for like a chain restaurant, like or was it a local pizzeria? A uh, local. Oh yeah, but I worked at so many pizza places. Like every single pizza place known to man around Oakham, dude. Like I was like a serial pizza place hopper. I like and heartbreaker. I, yes, that too. <laughs> Uh, like every six months I change. So I feel like I know all of the road system there so well. Cause I did it actually too, for a while from like 16 is when I first started. And then I stopped when I was like 19, I think. Have you, did you ever walk into a, uh, a weird situation like delivering a pizza? Not, not really. I don't think I, there's definitely some like you'd we, meet some really weird people because, you know, it's just like the general public and you're going to their house. But I never saw anything like too, too weird, you know, not like a Brendan Fraser from the whale. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I will. Yeah, there were some the of those. There's actually <laughs> a lot of those, I feel like, in that area. <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, so you ended up I mean, you so you hung around the area for a little bit after you graduated. Um but you ended yeah. up making a, a move after that. Um, I don't know yeah, if you went straight out west. Yeah, I moved to LA, actually. Yeah, I moved to LA when I was 20. And I lived out here for like a year. But I like hated it. I didn't have a car. Um, I was like broke and 20. So I didn't really have any life skills yet. So I was working at a grocery store. And I didn't have a cars. And like LA is way more expensive. So then I was like, I need to like just move back. So I actually lived here for like a year and then I moved back to central mass. And then I lived there again for like another <clears throat> three years. And then after that I moved to Boston and I went to college in Boston. Okay. Did you, yeah, so was, I went to, yeah. What did you I do? I went for to college? Bay state, Bay state college marketing and business. So I got a degree there. I was working at Verizon um and they like helped me pay for my school and stuff too so i worked there for a few years while i was going to school um and then i graduated from there i just kind of like i like hated everything about living in boston and did I was you? like i had a little yes i hated it what area did you like live in? 
I moved. I lived all over Boston too. So I lived in Mission Hill, the Fens. I lived at for a bit. Uh, Brighton and well, it was actually Brighton both times, but pretty much Brookline in one of the houses. Yeah, it was like the next like you could walk to Brookline and. 50 feet was the, the line so brookline's weird man because they're a little like resident their areas of brookline is just like it, it I could love almost brookline though it, could it was almost so safe like, there uh suburban in a sense and it's just like massive houses it's like there's like the rich areas of brookline are wild it is an interesting like yeah, that's it's old the, money there for sure yeah the primary characteristic is it was so safe there <laughs> it was it was very safe there well, they and had their own. That's how it differs there. from many of the other places that you've lived. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> LA is definitely not safe. My car actually got stolen last week. No way. Yeah, car got stolen right out from in front of my house. That's oh, insane, man. That sucks. Yeah. What happens with that? I mean, what you just report it stolen? Insurance pays. Do they, do they have to wait a yeah, while no, to I'm, try to find yeah, it? Yeah, and... you got to wait thirty days. That's a bummer, dude. So you're just chilling yeah. out of car right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm chilling without a car right now. Been doing. You feel the like the thing. LAPD is gonna solve the case? Um, I'm hoping that my car is on fire in Skid Row somewhere right now. Because <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know what they did to it. You know what I mean? They could have been slamming that thing in park while they're like going 80 miles an hour down the highway. You know? I don't know. I feel like. You feel like they may have not have kept up with the maintenance. Yeah, on I, your... <laughs> I could probably, you know, guess that they did not. They were not very kind to it. You know, they might have dropped the pizza on the floor and then reformed it into a yeah. viable delivery. <laughs> out yeah, in Boston, Ellie's you, crazy. When you were out People in Boston, talk about. Go, oh, ahead, go ahead, Sam. I don't care. You go. So between the people we talk, we've talked to a lot of people that live in LA or lived in LA and then, you know, just listening to podcasts and stuff. uh, It seems like people, you either find a community in LA that works for you and make friends and stuff like that, or you have like a very hard time uh, assimilating or, or weeding through people. Like what, what was that like for you? I mean, did you have trouble with people? Uh, a little bit, but I mean, I, I, this is like the third big city that I've lived in. Cause I live, I moved to Vegas too. I lived in Vegas for like four years too. Or like, yeah, it was like almost four years. Is your fedora um, stage post scene kid? I, do I wear a fedora? No. <laughs> Fedoras and ska music. You can, you can <laughs> full circle back with ska. You had the I, I, band I around like- your fedora. Yeah, Vegas, I think they hand those out when you get off the plane, just like in Hawaii, they give you a lay, you know? That's that's the tours, though. The people that are in Vegas, there's a lot of cool people, but people that are kind of weird, dude, for sure. People in Vegas are weird. I have a couple friends in Vegas, and they have regularly talked about how weird people are in Vegas and how different it is than any other place they've lived. Yeah, people there are just kind of like different. Like locals, For sure. it's like the locals yeah. are weird. like tour. There's of course tourists from everywhere that make up as areas of that, but like Vegas residents, it's like it's a strange group of people that seem to all manage to find their way in that area, just being weird. Yeah, 
Vegas is cheap as hell, though. I gotta say, when I was living there, it was so cheap. It's now now it's more expensive because like, after is. COVID and the inflation, it's gone and all up that a shit. lot. I because the people I know out there like really struggled trying to find like they they had their rent raised. They really struggled to find places to go, and like they felt like they're getting priced out of everywhere. It changed a good bit over the past like few years. Yeah, it was so cheap when I first moved there. What Crazy brought you to cheap. Vegas? Why'd you move that way? Well, I had a friend, uh, my friend Nick, he moved out there to do like photography stuff. And he was like, you know, uh, that's when his stuff started to like take off. And he was, you know, starting to become really successful with it. He was like touring with DJs and stuff like that. And we were really tight. We like always kind of did creative stuff together. And I knew him from Worcester through like a mutual friend. And um, he was like, yeah, like you should move out here. Like I went and visited him. And I just like randomly quit my job one day and moved to Vegas with no plan, emptied out my 401k, used that to like move to Vegas. And I wanted to like move somewhere just that there was like a more of like a scene of doing music stuff because I was living in Boston at the time. And there's really like you would think there would be a music scene because like Berkeley's there and there's like so much stuff that, you know, is there, but um, like per like related to music, but there's not really for people who want to work in music, I guess there's not really that much going on there. So I figured Vegas was cheap. It was close to LA. Um, it would like, you know, allow me to free up more of my time to like work on music and stuff. Cause I wouldn't have to work as much to pay as much rent and that kind of stuff. Like the cost of living was less. So then I just did it. I quit my job. Me and my little bro did a cross country trip too. We took a couple weeks and we drove across the country and like hit some national parks. It was pretty dope. Oh, nice. That's sick. Yeah. And That's a so drive. You, yeah. It, it was, dude, it was a lot of driving. And we were like zigzagging across the country. So it wasn't even just like a direct, like what's on the way. We were like hitting things outside of it. We drove all the way up to Yellowstone. That's yeah, a haul. I've been uh, there yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, we drove there from Massachusetts, dude, from Ocam. <laughs> what? Okay, what part of the country do you remember loving, and what part of the country do you remember just despising? Kansas was really bad. God, Even you, you prick! That's the second time that's happened to you <laughs> in like the past. Are you from Kansas? Week. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! I'm I mean, here now. He just asked somebody else that recently, and they mentioned Kansas being bullshit. And he was, I mean, Kansas City is cool. Kansas City is cool, but I mean, dude, it was just like corn for like fucking 10 hours. And I remember waking (laughs) up in Denver because we drove from Kansas City to Denver in one day. And that's a pretty far drive. I think it was like probably 10 hours, eight, 10 hours. I think it was actually more i think it was like 12 or something so it was it was definitely a drive but i remember waking up in the morning and just still seeing corn like in my peripheral vision <laughs> like i can't do this anymore like, you know, see more like 200 miles abandoned towns on the side of the road we stopped at one it was actually spooky as hell but it was kind of cool to see it yeah it's like when you look at a light for too long and then you turn the light off and all you can see is like the outline it's of the where circle that light was. yeah that was the corn still that still was corn the, green <laughs> it's like not only did people die here people's aspirations died here yeah definitely <laughs> so you were in vegas you uh you had this idea of just that you wanted to 
to work in the music industry. Uh, yeah, I wanted to like do then... music and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do at first. Really. I just knew I wanted to like be in music. So I wanted to like DJ cause that's kind of when all that stuff was like popping too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wanted to do like the whole artist DJ project. So I started like producing electronic beats and dubstep and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I was actually, yeah, I was DJing a lot in Vegas, actually. There was like a few collectives that I would DJ with. So did a lot of like cool parties there in Vegas. Um, and I was like actually serving tables too. So I was doing that and then kind of DJing. And then I worked at some studios too there. So there was a few studios I worked at there as like an engineer. Um, that was like my first real gig there was I was interning at the studio called the Tone Factory. And that was, uh, it was interesting for me because I, that was like the first time I really saw how to like make money off of music, you know? Okay. Like the business structure behind, okay, so this is how you make it like an actual like business, you know? Even though there's like multiple ways to do it, but what's that? What stuck out to you most about that when you're like, now you're there and you see it as a more of a business and, and, and thinking about it as a business and obviously still an art, but like when your mind shifts towards the, the concept of business as well, what stuck out you to were, you? You were going to license worship music. <laughs> well, I think it kind of like gave me more of an understanding of like the, what I needed to learn in order to like actually get myself into a position where I would be like actually hireable by people, you know? Okay. So I think it kind of like gave me a better uh, picture of what, like where I should head with my, you know, time, you know, what I should like really like focus on. Was, was it any, like, I I always think about music in a similar way, like going into music as similar to like, um, well, I remember at Liberty, like every other person was studying graphic design, you know, and it was kind of like one of those things where like the, the market wasn't flooded yet, but you could kind of tell like, boy, this is a lot of people that want to do the same thing. And I remember there was one guy that we knew that he was in graphic design, but then I started talking to him and he's like basically paying his way through college doing freelance graphic design work. Like he was not just going to classes, like he was doing it and had been doing it. And like, it was kind of a, it wasn't just a degree for him. Like it was just the next step in this career trajectory that he was already on. Like was not having a degree in music. Was that any detriment to you or did that not? I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of happy. I didn't get one. I actually was trying to go to like an art school and it didn't work out for whatever reasons. And I'm actually like happy it didn't because from what I've noticed now, art schools just cost a lot of money. They really don't give you any connections at all. And which are the um, most important part, probably. Yeah. Like the connections are the most, like the, for sure, the most important part, especially in music. And yeah, I just don't, I don't think they really give you the tools that they, they kind of just sell you a dream. You know, Mm -hmm. they sell you the dream of being able to, you know, do this, this, and this. And but I know a lot of people who went to Berkeley and all that, and they don't really do anything in music. They switch careers or they, you know, and that's supposed to be like the best of the best, you know? I feel like that's 
dude, that is that's the that's such a great way of describing like 80 percent of college. It's not really about giving you practical skills or placing you in a position where like you can pursue something in a better way. It's selling you the dream of, you know, this easy transition into a high paying role in whatever industry. Yeah, I don't believe in college anymore. I think it's actually I think college is like stupid as hell, unless you want to be like a doctor or like a lawyer or, you know. But Something, like going a very to school, specific trajectory towards yeah, a specific like, I mean, career. If you're gonna be saving people's lives and being like a surgeon or whatever, of course you need to like go to school, you know. Like, but going for like music or graphic design or liberal arts or like business, you know? yeah, even <laughs> yeah. business. I did, I did advertising and PR, <laughs> and I have used. I work in sales, and I have used no part of anything that i learned <laughs> at all it was a total waste of time it's very fun like the non-classes part <laughs> but the I rest actually, of it sucked. i have to say there is some stuff that i've learned that i learned in college that kind of applies for stuff like even just like knowing like stupid little things like what roi means like a lot of people don't like know what that kind of stuff is you know what i mean <laughs> i'm like like if you want to like you know treat shit like a business you gotta like at least know you know some stuff you know so yeah i feel like it gave me a good understanding but it didn't teach me how to not you know get fucked over like that's that's how you learn business the most you know what i mean (laughs) for sure you just mistake fucked over and over and over again until you know until you're like wait i i don't have to anymore you know (laughs) it's true and also like the the other the bullshit part about like an under so i'm in a master's program right now and it's very specific like it's like very geared towards the career that it's actually the career i'm in but i do have to finish my degree to get my license um but it's he like talks kids into taking SSRIs. Yeah. I'm an adjustment count. I'm a school adjustment counselor. Um, but like, uh, so it's like <laughs> Casey loved that. Look at how fun he look at how much he's laughing. We'll do everyone. I want everyone. I wish everyone would watch this video just to see how much Casey enjoys his own joke. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but it's like, but I think back on my undergrad, which was in religion. Uh, or a Bible degree from Liberty University is really what that means. And it's like, you take all these, it's like, I remember just getting, it's like, you take your math, you take English, you take all the same shit you took in high school. And it's the same shit you took in high school that you're paying all this money for to do for four years. And it really is the most bullshit concept as it exists. Oh yeah. It should be really like specialized education programs to like jumpstart you in a field. And our, our experience was probably not a great measuring stick for all of college. Perhaps Liberty is probably what you're doing now is like (laughs) a much more realistic vision of what college can be for, for people. Me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You. Oh, Oh, wait, I was like, Oh, you (laughs) like, who are you talking to? Yeah. I mean, it's very specific. I, I decide what I want to do for a living and I am on a path to towards that and every the classes i take are very specific and helpful in in helping me enter that career field so yeah it it makes sense in that degree in that right otherwise everything before it though i couldn't even do this program unless i had an undergrad in something completely useless that means nothing to anyone or myself like it mean i don't know i don't remember much of it at all 
And the fact that you can just get a master's 10 years after you graduate, like I should have been able to just do this and skip undergrad is really how that should work. It's pretty goofy. Um, anyway, so Danny, you moved to, uh, yeah, you're in Vegas. You start kind of connecting with music. You start um, kind of making the connections that you need. Um, yeah. And so I was like serving. And then even at, even at like that point, I feel like I like wasn't even really like, I was like good enough to be making money doing it, but I wasn't really like, at least for what I'm doing right now. Cause I work in like production now and it takes a while to like learn production. So, um, I feel like I was like, just like at the tipping point, right when COVID hit and then it COVID really like helped me free up the time to like, really like grind on it. So okay. during COVID, like all I did, like you can ask like anyone I know, like I literally just like locked myself out in my room i like didn't do anything except for like make beats for like 18 hours a day for like a year and a half dude <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> that's crazy and then, uh yeah so i got like really good over that time frame for sure <clears throat> and then my same friend nick um that he was like touring with djs and stuff we actually he, he ended up getting his own place we weren't living together at the time um when I was like when COVID hit and stuff and he ended up getting a gig with Marshmallow, um, doing touring stuff and, and, um, that's actually how I got plugged in with Marshmallow's team. Okay. Um, so he, it was like, he ended up moving to LA mid COVID and, um, he was like, uh, yeah, moved to LA working with Marshmallow and, uh, Marshmallow's manager, Mo. And, um, he heard, Marshmallow like over talking about starting like a publish co- a publishing company in the, the studio. And then he like was like, yo, you should check out my boy Danny's stuff. Um, and then he listened to it. He loved it. He like called me like a week later and like asked me to like come out to LA for the weekend. So I did. And uh, then like a week later, he asked to sign me. And then ever since then, that was like three years ago. So I've been living out in LA for like three years now. What dude, what was the feeling man. of getting that call? Oh, I was like shit in my pants, dude. Because like at that <laughs> point, like like that just like seemed like so far away, like and on it almost like holy shit, like that's like uh it, it seemed almost unattainable because it was like, you know, just like such a big artist, you know what I mean? So I was just like, wow. You know, and like to think now I'm like super cool with him and consider him a friend and stuff now. It's like crazy, you know what I mean? So <laughs> Is he, uh, the, the, the DJ world is something I'm very unfamiliar with. Um, but I know it's big and I know it has a, a large pull and I know the whole like, uh, mask thing is a, a part of it. Is that something where like they're they're They don't have like a public identity. It's just like the DJ persona. Well, I think that's just like the brand behind it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like that's they're not just... like, it's not like a hidden identity kind of thing. It's like. It's I just, think it was for the brand yeah. and like the anonymity definitely helped him blow up for sure. Because everyone was like, who the fuck is this guy? You know? Okay. So he does, he does remain anonymous. Yes. He is anonymous. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. Still guess, right now. That would have been the right way to ask that question from the start. Yes. He's still <laughs> anonymous. Yes. Okay. Officially. That's so funny, man. That's wild. Uh, I, I, it, I think that's so interesting about that story. I mean, obviously you put the fucking work in you COVID hits and you know, a lot of people just took that, you know, just kind of fucked off and enjoyed their free time. I know I sure did. Um, 
but like to to just grind uh and have the time to really put your heart and soul into into something that you wanted to get better at and to see that pay off the way that did must have been fucking amazing yeah well you know there was like the covid money too so mm-hmm. that helped me like invest into all the gear that i really needed to get and uh, yeah yeah that kind of stuff too you know what i mean so i feel like it really helped set me up for you know uh a good a good basically like uh you know stepping stone into what i was doing you know yeah so what's that look like now so you're you know you're a producer for um for marshmallow what's that i feel like that's i feel like that's uh something that is hard for maybe a lot of people to understand what that means or what that looked like yeah so basically just uh kind of like help out with ideas for different songs and stuff like that so like uh basically you know if there's like a session or whatever the he'll have me come in and i'll like play guitar for them or for him or whoever the artist is that he's in with or making beats or doing like revisions on songs and a lot of people do not see how much work actually comes into like having a song come out like Mm it's really actually crazy uh because there's like you know there's literally probably 50 songs that are made until one comes out. So that's really? one thing that a lot of people don't see. Oh yeah. Like all the time. Like there's, and then, so I'm like waiting on, if I had all of my cuts that I ever did come out, I would be definitely, you know, talking to you from a, a beach house in Malibu right now. It is very competitive. It is super, super competitive. I, I I think of it from like even the metal world. Uh, like you listen to, uh, you hear stories from bands who like, who got signed and they like walk into a label, they walk into the studio and they're like, they think they have their full album. They're like, yeah, we got these 12 songs. By the time they're done with the producer, they have three and they have to work on seven more. And it's like, you, you just like squish them down you might add to some, you might nick some completely. Like you might take this part from that and make a better song out of it. It's like, you have cool parts in all of these, but they're not great enough to be a full song. Like it's like you hear, and then you hear about like the bands who like don't want to mesh with that. And that's kind of like where their career dies. <laughs> it's like, they're people who know what they're doing and how to make good, how to make music better. And you can either let your ego get out of the way and, and commit, or you can, uh, yeah, I think that's it's hearing those stories is always interesting because it's like the idea of uh, how production works or how it can work. Uh, and of course, around different genres, too, is I find so fascinating uh, to yeah, have pop someone... music is definitely the most uh, competitive, I would say. Yeah, everyone's always going for the pop. Yeah, that's where most of the money's at, though. That's why. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I feel like people like especially coming from the that metalcore kid realm like it was kind of a feature of that to like dump on popular music and some people that's just never really hilarious because i used to do that i used yeah. to like hate <laughs> pop music and i'd be like oh this is like so lame but now i'm like like oh it's charlie Pooh song actually is a bop <laughs> you, know? So, so I be, you know back in the day would have been like oh that's so lame like charlie Puth is lame but like Charlie Puth is like a legend, a legendary producer and singer and everything. You know what I mean? So um, it's just kind of funny how our perspectives change with age. 
Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. now I'm more interested in how you might feel about Beartooth because I feel as a from a production standpoint, I might like it. It's it's pop, man. It's like hard. It's like it's basically you take like yeah, your metalcore, whatever. Your, but I actually can. I kind of have to take that back because I used to love <laughs> Owl City in high school. So. Okay. So Owl City is like as pop as you can get. It is, much, yeah, yeah. Especially for that era. And I actually loved Owl City. <laughs> I recently put on what their old album with like fireflies and stuff on it. And it's fun. I yeah. like it. I think I'm going to have to re-listen soon. They, uh, that guy did a cover of uh, Jesus Freaks by DC Talk. Okay. And I didn't know that. You know, it's, it's as good. Good as you can make Jesus freaks. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually heard, and I don't know if this is actually accurate because I, I didn't officially look it up, but the guy Owl City is actually the one who did all the sound design for iPhones. So all the like sound effects and everything, he's actually the one who did the sound design for Apple for that. No way. Wow. Interesting. He got paid. Jesus Christ, he probably got paid yeah, for that. Yeah, or he didn't. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes one way or it goes the other. It's one of those valuable business lessons. Yeah. He got it was probably just exported. like, no, he probably got a bag for it for sure, but it was probably just like a buyout. It wasn't like a license, like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was like a one time fee thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's not That's getting residuals. Most, like, yeah, he's not getting like residuals for every time like someone gets a text message. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> like a point of ascent. You know? <laughs> That's Spotify pay. Yeah, Spotify pays shit. Point zero zero three cents per play. That's what it pays. That's what it is, huh? Point zero zero. It actually depends three. because it took me forever to figure this out. The money side of music definitely gets like super confusing when it comes to like the streams and royalties and all that shit. But like each country actually pays different has to, it depends on like, um, the way that it works with Spotify is they essentially, they take all of the users in like one market and that's kind of like the region that they have set up or whatever. And then they take like the total cost of all of the people that have, like subscribe to the service and then they divide that and split everything up. And then it comes out to being that I guess, or like whatever. So it depends. It, so it, there's even places that pay less. So like if someone in like Guatemala is streaming your song, you get paid like 0.0015. Which is incredible. I mean, kind of like you have uh, a million the founding plays- fathers writing the constitution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a million plays on a song, like that's big. And that's like three thousand dollars. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, it actually is. It's like even a little bit less. Like it depends. It depends on where you get them streamed from. But it's like anywhere between two to three grand for a million streams. Yeah. yeah. And what if you're a band split five ways minus? Well, tax. that's that's the thing. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's so that's bands are bands are a dying breed. You can't even make money as a band anymore. Um, really, it's like tour and merch. Unless you're tour, yeah. Good. It's touring, merch sales and, and tour that does it for most people. Even still point. with all like the cost, like how expensive everything is nowadays. Like, I feel like it would be very hard to be in a, uh, 
like a money thriving band, you know, like yeah, <laughs> right now because for real. Even if you're like, just eat it, you know. Even if you have the appearance of being successful, like a lot of say, like a lot of people listen, you got a lot of monthly followers, like people come out to your shows. It's still, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not what and it then, used like, to be. Like if you're on a label, and like like label deals nowadays are crazy, dude. Like for like if you're like a band or an artist, it's while like 85% of the money goes to the label. And then you like, as the, as an artist, you're pretty much getting like 15%. Oh my. But they'll give God. you like a big advance. And then if like, I've just heard some, some nightmare stories from people. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, jeez. That's luckily, unbelievable. Yeah. Luckily I'm not an artist. <laughs> it, it, that's why, I mean, you see a lot more bands with dodging labels now. And at least if you, are able to get some level of popularity on the internet. Like you can, you're more likely to be able to get some sort of recognition without one now than you used to be. Um, yeah. I mean, back when, when we were kids, you would just like look up labels, disc, like just look up labels you liked and check out the bands on them. Like that was your access yeah. to new music was like what label, what bands yeah, was, are on what actually labels. Actually through the labels. You're right. Now that you say that, it's yeah. like you go to like the labels website and look. Yep. Yep. Through dial-up internet, yeah. I'd, be blocking up the, I'd be blocking up the phone line. My Dude, dad would get pissed at me. I just listened to one um, free song from MySpace and get a porn virus on your computer. That happened to me. Yeah, um, yeah that happened to me more than once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I just listened. I don't know if you're a fan of Danny Brown, but uh, I listened to his new album, and one of his songs drops in with like the dial-up sound. And um, oh, okay. I was just thinking about all the people who would listen to that, that would think, what is, what, what is that sound? And I, what their thought on it would be like, would they be like, that was cool. Like if you don't know what that is, if you don't know, that's the sound of your internet dialing up, what would your thought on hearing that be? Uh, just ask some kids. I saw a TikTok yeah. the other day. This mom gave her kids, they were like eight years old, the CD and they're like, they like couldn't even figure out how to like take it out of the case because they were like, like what the <laughs> hell is this thing? And they're like, Crazy. I'm gonna break it, and then they're trying to learn. They're like putting it in upside down in the CD player. That's so funny. Yeah, man, it seems like I, I think it's so sick. Um, how uh, all this shit came together for you? Uh, you obviously put in the work. Um, it's been really you, cool bro. talking to you, man. Yeah, uh, I also saw some cool video. I mean. What you took some? Uh, I feel like I saw a, a face, a Instagram story of uh, you on a private jet recently. Yeah, yeah, I got to take a private jet to uh, Vegas with Marshmallow for one of his shows. So that was I, definitely pretty cool. First experience on a private jet. Yeah, it's That's like sexy. the same as flying. Like it's just like you don't. It's less. It's just like knowing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the same thing as a plane, though. You know, you just like have more space and like yeah. You look way more cooler when you take a picture on Instagram. Oh, it's it like looked cool same. as shit, dude. It stuck out to yeah. me, man. <laughs> yeah. You can't not share no that. No security. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't not share that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, dude, so uh where could um where could people find you? Uh Instagram. Um so actually everyone knows me as Danny Couture because it just kind of like stuck. You know me as Danny Kucher because that's, that's kind of so like funny. that's what my name is. 
but like Danny <laughs> Couture, every that's what everyone calls me because it just like stuck somewhere, and then it just kind of like that's how everyone, even like before they even would know, that's kind of what they just call. They them, just so. read it, and that's what they assume it says. That's what they say. It's like Gary Gucci, you know? Danny that's Couture, so funny, you know? man. That's what I read it as. Yeah. I just, you so. know, what's so funny. What sticks out to me, man, is um, I I have a memory of when we met, uh, and I I remember I remember pronouncing your last name Couture, and you were like, and you were like, it's it's Coocher, Cooch. <laughs> yeah. It was like yeah. it stuck out. I got I the like, nickname. Oh. I got the nickname Cooch in high yes, school. From that's what you, you mentioned. That. <laughs> Everyone called me Cooch. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. And that's uh, a joke that would have gone over my head at the time. Yeah, Cooch. Yeah. That <laughs> was were... that was a thing. And then all the girls I dated, their moms are like, "Why do they call him Cooch?" Yeah, they're like getting all suspect. <laughs> but it's, like, no, it's my last name. <laughs> it's so funny because I would have I, I wouldn't. I only recalled that when you uh, mentioned that it stuck as Couture because that's yeah. definitely how I remember pronouncing yeah, that it. Even, people did that in Boston, Vegas, and here. And I was like, oh, I'll just tell people that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just save some time. Yeah. Rebrand yourself. <laughs> yeah, rebrand. It sounds classier. And that's how uh, it's the funny thing is that's how a lot of names, you know, there's so many last names, like people who come from other, like who immigrate here and they just roll with an, a different pronunciation of their name because they get tired of saying how it like would yeah. actually be pronounced so like, like okay yeah, like that's kucha. It. yeah <laughs> kucha <laughs> kucha <laughs> so my grandma says it daniel kucha <laughs> Dude, it was great talking to you man i'm so glad you did yeah. this it was cool to catch up and hear yeah, what's thank going you on for you. having me on guys for sure yeah man well thanks everybody for listening we will see you next time